Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Two Brothers, One Mike, Season 6, Episode 12. And today we have with us physical therapist, Mr. Rick Olderman. Rick, how are you doing today? I'm great. Tony? Joe, you finally... Well, now, now you're going to talk over me. See, this is why I just throw it out there, right? He always complains whenever we have a guest. I throw it out there and then everybody looks at each other. I try to do the right thing and I go to go to him. Do it right. He said, always go to the guest first. I do what he says. All right. I'll wait now. I'm waiting for you to ask me now. Go ahead. Tony, how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing fantastic. Okay. Like what Joe always does is he'll say, Rick, Tony, how are you doing today? And then it's a stare off between me and the guest as to who's going to go first and answer that question. And Joe thinks it's funny. Um, but you know, we are excited, folks. We've had, Joe, we've had uh, gastroenterologists on, Dr. Becky Natrajan. We've had... Um, clinical psychologists on, uh, Dr. Nicole Rentilla. We've had pharmacists on, Ron Zetz. Uh, we've had professional trainers like Amber Landsman. Um, but we have not had, uh, Rick, if I'm not mistaken, an orthopedic physical therapist. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. And so we have not had um, anybody with your background on yet. On uh, This is uh, our second year. It's actually season six. And um, we have not had anybody with your background yet. And- and looking at your extensive background, we were really excited to have you on because of the knowledge you're going to bring to our listeners and viewers today. We're in audio and video. Uh, and so we are definitely excited to have you here today. Um, let me ask you a question. I, I have a bad habit of saying, so you're going to hear me say that 5,000 times. Let me ask you a question. Obviously, we're interviewing you, so I'm going to ask you questions today. I, I always think that when we have somebody on the show for the first time, that people are looking for more of an extensive background. Now, we know you're based out of Denver, Colorado, correct? Yes. And you've been doing this for more than 25 years now? Correct. Right. And you basically, um, uh, l- let me ask you this, your educational background, I think our listeners and viewers would like to know what that is as far as your extensive educational background and how we know wh- how that's concerned. Sure. I got my uh, Bachelor of Science in Education from Ohio State University, and then uh, my Master's in uh, of Science and Physical Therapy from University of Indianapolis. That was back in 1996. Okay. And so 25 years of experience now, and... Uh, I, uh, you, when you said Ohio State University, you, you already have won me over, uh, O-H-I-O. I, that, that right there, you're now my favorite guest of all time. Don't tell him, don't tell any of the other guests that, um, a lot of things that you've said, I, I've done a little bit of reading and I've saw, you know, several different videos that you've done, podcasts that you've done. And one thing that always sticks with me is, uh, when you talk about the pain area, we're talking about chronic pain versus acute pain. Maybe first and foremost, we could tell our, our listeners and viewers out there today, what is the difference between chronic pain, which is your expertise area, as opposed to the acute pain area? What are we talking about in terms of differences there? Yeah, well, I help people with acute pain too, but- uh, Oh, okay. Yeah, it's the, the difference between the two, someone at some time in their wisdom said that any pain beyond three months is now chronic pain. And any pain less than three months is now acute pain. So if uh, you have pain for two months and two weeks, then I'm sorry, you still don't qualify as a chronic pain sufferer. Okay. So, so that's, yeah. as sim- yeah, that's as simple as it gets then. It really is. It's just an arbitrary. Well, the pain area, the area of pain uh, I've noticed you've said this uh, on many occasions. The area where the pain is located is not always the problem area. What is it there that, uh, can you expand on that in terms of somebody's feeling pain in their lower back? That may not actually be the problem. And I think that's the, is that the direction in which you take your, your, um, your practice? Yeah, well, uh, the, the low back pain is the problem, but it's not the cause. Okay. So there's a difference between it because you're having a problem with your back pain. Therefore, your back is a problem, right? Okay. So, but where the problem is, is rarely where the cause is. And so that's what I've been figuring out for the last 25 years. And it turns out that uh, 
a lot of this misunderstanding of uh, why we're having difficulties with chronic pain, especially things like back pain, is because it's commonly misunderstood. And that has to do with how we're trained in physical therapy school or in med medical schools in general. I can go into more deeply about that if, if you're interested. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sure. So uh, in, in medical or in physical therapy school, uh, we are trained to, of course, memorize the muscles, nerves, bones, blood vessels, all that kind of stuff and know where they are and so forth. So uh, this and, and what we're taught basically is, oh, okay. So if you have a bicep strain, you're going to do these kinds, kinds of things. And then if you have a quad strain, you're going to do that kind of thing. If you have back pain, you're going to do this kind of thing. So basically what the focus is, is identifying the tissue that is damaged and treating that tissue. Okay. And this okay. works really well for acute pain issues like sprains, strains, fractures, tears, things like that. And when, when we are approaching these ideas in medicine, what we're relying on is the body's internal processes to heal that tissue on its own. I'm not healing your bicep strain. Your body's healing that bicep strain. I'm setting up the environment that allows it to heal correctly. All right. So if you cut your skin, it heals in, you know, a week. If you tear a muscle, that'll heal in a few weeks. If you break a bone, it heals in six to eight weeks. So our bodies have these internal processes to heal itself. And in acute pain situations, we rely heavily on that. So if our body is so good at healing itself, then why would we have chronic pain? Because chronic pain indicates that there's a problem with, with the body that hasn't healed yet. And the reason basically is, is because we have not removed the obstacles for that healing. We haven't set up that environment that allows the healing to occur. And the reason we haven't set up that environment is because all of our focus in our medical training is about identifying the tissue, treating the tissue, and helping that heal. It's not about, there's there, we have a million tests, we have MRIs, x-rays, and so forth. We have orthopedic tests to identify that damaged tissue. We have zero tests that identify why tissues are damaged. So the why is what is missing in chronic pain health. And that's why we have chronic pains because we've only been trained to identify that the tissue is damaged, not the why the tissue is damaged. Ah, does that make sense? That does make sense. That does make sense. And, and um, it makes perfect sense, actually. And why is that, though? That so, I, I'm not, and, and this is not me trying to put throw people under the bus, but in some practices, some physical therapy practices, is it possible that the reason why they can't get to the bottom of what is wrong with their clients or with their patients is because they're not following that direction? They're 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 going a different route, which is not working because they're not following exactly what you just talked about. Correct. They're following their training. I was not trained. To, to understand the body from a systems standpoint. And I, I call a larger perspective of understanding the body a systems point of view, as opposed to component training, which is what we're trained to use in physical therapy school, medical school, chiropractic school, any other kind of schools, medical, medically-based schools. It's all about component training, right? There's no training for systems understanding. Strangely enough, I mean, it seems like yeah, well, of course we, we should learn how it all fits together, but no, it's, it doesn't work like that. So, so those practitioners who are doing what you're talking about are only following their training. They haven't discovered a system's point of view yet. And I, and that, that makes perfect sense. I, I so many times I, I feel like physical therapists get a bad rap in that situation. What you just explained. I, I have so many, I know so many people I have, I have yet knock on wood had to go I've, to a physical therapist um, for whatever reason. It might be recovering from surgery, recovering from injury. But I know a lot of people that have done physical therapy. And I always hear, I hear good, but then I always hear the horror story of um, the area of injury 
industry has gotten worse or it has not recovered at all uh, yep. from the day they stepped into the office till the day they left. And Correct. a lot of times I get the, um, how perplexed uh, people, uh, physical therapists are with this particular injury. They don't understand why it's not getting any better. They follow this route with everybody and that particular uh, route is not working with this one individual. And the individual just continues to suffer from that chronic pain. And I think what you're talking about here today makes perfect sense as to why that may be the case. This was exactly what I experienced upon graduating from physical therapy school. I went to work in a small rural community. I was one of two physical therapists there. If you struck out with either of us, you were SOL in terms of getting help because we were 80 miles from the next medical facility, right? Right. And so, you know, I could help people with acute issues pretty well. My training did great with that, but, but nearly every single person who came in with some chronic or nagging or difficult pain condition, I was unsuccessful at. And so I, I was sunk into a deep depression because of it. I just thought I was a terrible physical therapist, that I was a failure, you know, had got gone through all this training and spent all this money and I'm just terrible at what I do. And then a couple of years later, I ended up moving to Denver here. I got a job at an elite health club downtown and uh, my schedule, I was the only physical therapy person on staff. My schedule instantly filled with people. And these were all 20s to 65, 70 year olds, well-to-do, great insurance, had been to all of the elites in Denver, no one could help them kind of thing. And they thought they'd give me a try. Mm -hmm. So that's when I first started realizing, holy crap, it's not just me who's having a hard time with chronic pain. It's everybody in medicine in general. And that's when I realized, you know, I could either quit because I didn't want to be a mediocre physical therapist who just helps some people and not others. Uh, or I could try and figure this out. And so I went that second route instead. And, and we're going to talk, we're going to talk a little bit about that, uh, coming up soon, uh, here in, in this episode today. Uh, another question, uh, staying on this pain concept, the people you see knee pain, hip pain, uh, back pain, shoulder pain is back pain. The number one, uh, source of chronic pain that you treat on a regular basis. Oh yeah. Chronic. And we'll lump in sciatic with back pain or SI joint pain. I kind of lump those three things in together, but by all means, even if you just said back pain, by all means, the most common. What in your, in your professional opinion, why is the back always the, the, the most looked at when it comes to, or, or unfortunately the biggest problem that people are having in terms of chronic pain? Yeah. It, it's, because it's like I mentioned before, it's the most commonly misunderstood area of the body. So if we look at the structure of the body, all right, we have a little skeleton here. For those of you listening, it might be worthwhile to go on YouTube because I'm going to be using my skeleton to describe some concepts uh, during this show. But if we look at the curves of the spine, we have a, a lordotic curve in the cervical spine and then a kyphotic curve in the thoracic spine and then a lordotic curve in the lumbar spine, and then a kyphotic curve in the sacrum and pelvis. So where, where those curves change directions are stress points. All right. Okay. So in and of any, any, and you know, even architecturally, anytime you change direction with something, that's going to be a stress point, mechanical engineering 101. So basically, so this, this stress point at the low back happens to be where a broad, look at these broad, flat pelvic bones, all right? We can see this moving as generally a single unit meets a change in curve as well as a change in the small articulations at that junction. So you have a couple things going on here. You have a big, broad thing that's moving, right? And wherever this goes, the back has to respond. But the back is comprised of all these little joints, facet joints, disc area, you know, all sorts of little structures in there that are stressed if this isn't perfect. So this is what breaks down 
the fastest. And this is where people have a hard time because our training, again, this component training perspective is, oh, your back's hurting. Let's look at this vertebrae right here. Oh, you've got a slightly rotated vertebrae. That must be it. Or you've got a, a disc bulge, or you've got a facet joint arthropathy, or you have spinal stenosis or whatever. And they say, oh, that must be your problem. Well, this is all responding to this, <laughs> our lower body system. These are the lever arms that are working on the pelvis and spine, but we're not trained to look at the body like that. And that's what we're missing, I believe. So what you just showed us with the skeleton at the end there, when you were bending the knee, um, softening the knees can help with the stress point at the lower back where everything is coming together that you just talked about. And so standing with locked knees can basically cause the problem over time. Did I get any of that right? True or false? Yes, you got it all right. And if you don't mind, I'll take your listeners through a little test stage. They can feel the truth of this for their own back pain if you're okay. interested in that. Okay, folks, it's really easy test. All I'm going to have you do is lie down on the ground on your back with your legs straight. If you can't get on the ground, then lie on your bed or your couch or whatever, but lie down with your back straight. A firmer surface is generally better. You'll get better results from the test. But if you have our time, again, don't do it. So you're lying on the ground with your legs straight. You can slide your hand underneath your low back and see how much space is there. All right. And then get a sense for how comfortable your back is in this position. And now I want you to bend your knees so your feet are flat on the ground. And if you don't feel a change in your back discomfort there, go ahead and hug your knees to your chest. So one of these two positions, either legs straight or knees bent, is going to make your back feel better. I bet you know which one it is, Tony. I, I believe it would be knees bent. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So the simple answer to that would be uh, that, oh, yeah, well, my back's flatter. So therefore... That's why it's feeling better, but that's only part of the answer. So to get to your question, if now everyone stands up and listens to the next minute or two of this podcast, and if you're driving, please don't stand up in your car, <laughs> but after about 30 seconds or a minute, you're going to notice that one or both of your knees are locked straight backwards. All right. And if they're not locked straight backwards yet, go ahead and do that. And now unlock your knees. And feel what just happened to your low back when you did that. And if you're not sure, lock the knees one more time. And you'll feel that when you're locking your knees, your back is more arched. And you'll actually feel tension in the low back muscles when you're doing that. All right. So what have these two tests showed us? Well, the basic first test is basically showing us that when your back is more curved, it hurts more. When your back is flatter, it feels better. And then the second part of the test is saying... When we stand for anything more than a minute or two, we start to lock our knees, which then causes our back to arch more, which causes our back pain that we just found on the floor. So that's how one of our natural habits is feeding our chronic pain. But uh, hardly any practitioners understand this system's approach to looking at and figuring out the stressors acting on your back from the rest of your body. I, I have to tell you, um, besides being a professional trainer uh, for 22 years, I've also worked at General Motors uh, for 28 years now. And in that process, um, at certain points in my career, I've done a lot of standing. Uh, and, you know, from an ergonomic standpoint, in terms of rotation uh, and everything from the fingers to the elbows to the shoulders, and on your feet all the time, locking your knees without really realizing you're doing it, a lot of people suffer from lower back pain. And I always tell them you should soften the knees and bend them a little bit. And the biggest problem always is this, and maybe you can help our, our listeners and viewers out today. How do you tell yourself? Sometimes people, they tell themselves, soften the knees, bend the knees a little bit, and then they completely forget about it as they're continuing on in the process throughout the day not just doing auto assembly, but anything that they're doing where they stand up. How does somebody understand to try and remind themselves over and over again, you have to make sure you're not locking your knees all day while you're standing up? Yeah. Well, 
uh, I ran into that problem too, Tony. So I, I've got a couple solutions. One, okay. if you wear a watch, do you wear a watch? Uh, I don't. I can. Okay, you don't have to. But if you wear a watch, let's say most people wear their watch on their left wrist, put your watch on your right wrist. That will annoy you to no end. And every time that annoys you, check on your knees. All right? Interesting. So you'll use an external reminder to remind you. So that's an easy one. The one that I have grown to like most, though, is I simply put a little piece of tape on the back of the knee here. And I, I tape it when the knee is flexed slightly so that when they lock it, it tugs the tape. They feel that tug. They they get the cue. Oh, I've got to unlock my knee. Simple as that. In usually about three to five days, that habit is broken at that point. So, and by the way, it's not only standing that is creating this. Even more so, it's walking. Many people are locking their knees when they're walking. Uh, and if you imagine that you're taking 10,000 steps a day, right? and your knees are locking during that uh, 10,000 steps, then you're having 10,000 little hammers hitting your back with every single step. So every time you make contact with the ground and your foot and your knee locks, that's basically the hammer point that you're, you're making. That's the point you're making when it comes to... Uh, Correct. That's what we just found with those two tests. Yeah. Very interesting. The watch tests would definitely annoy. That would be very annoying to me if I put it yeah. on my right wrist. So yeah. maybe that is something I'm going to start doing um, yeah. for sure. It works. And and I'm, I think I'm going to for I I have quite a few of my colleagues that listen to our show, so they're hearing it now and they're understanding it. But for those who don't, uh, maybe I'm going to get the word out there uh, for sure because I would never would have thought of that. That's an interesting concept right there for sure. It's um, a simple idea and yeah. it's so powerful. Uh, I'll tell you, most people with chronic back pain, if you just try that alone from this podcast, it, there's a very good chance that your back pain will feel 30 to 60% better in about a week. It's that powerful. About a week? Yes. I don't care if you've had back pain for 20 years. doesn't matter. That's interesting. Pain is an indication that there's a problem now. If you solve the problem now, your pain will go away now. Very interesting. I, mean, I, I There's a lot of things you're saying that uh, I'm going to go back and listen to this show and write these down uh, as quotes. I won't steal them from you. I'll give you credit, obviously. Um, but I never, you see, the, the reason why I was... Uh, excited to talk to you it was because of how you view the pain threshold it is completely different than from what I always understand and what I've always read about, um, what I've always talked to other professionals about. Uh, it's always deemed as never ending and learn how to live with it at times rather than learn how to solve the problem. Um, and so I, I knew when I was reading about you and watching a lot of your videos that it was going to be a very interesting interview for sure today. When I introduced you today and when Joe introduced you today, we talked about several things, where you were from, um, as well as the fact that you've been doing this for more than 25 years, uh, that you were an orthopedic physical therapist. What we did not, what we did not say yet was that you're also an author. And what we're going to do, we're going to go to our ad, listen to our sponsor folks for about 45 seconds, stay with us. When we come back, we're going to talk all about that. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Two Brothers, One Mike is sponsored by Kitchen Apps, perfectly prepared portions. Hey, Youngstown area listeners, I know we've talked about Kitchen Apps in the past and all they have to offer in food prepping services and protein pancake mixes, but there's another great product they offer we had to let our listeners know about, their own name brand seasonings. They've got a huge selection to choose from as well. Turkey, taco, tomato, basil, Baja, citrus, fajita, barbecue rub, blackened seasoning, as well as steak and meat seasons. And that's just to name a few. You know my favorite part? Besides all of the flavors, of course, it's that they're all low sodium, made with no fillers and MSG free. Know what else is great about them? You can order them right from the Kitchen Abs website. Just go to www.kitchenabs.com. Click on store and choose the flavors of your choice. Again, that's kitchenabs.com. Now back to our podcast. 
Welcome back, everybody. So when we went to our ad from to listen to our sponsor, I talked about the fact that when we introduced Rick Alderman today, uh, uh, orthopedic physical therapist, we mentioned some of the things he's done. We did not mention he was an author, and he certainly is an author. And I want to talk about several things now. One of them is the Fixing You series, which um, I had the opportunity to learn a little bit about. And I think that I want you to maybe tell our listeners what, what, how did you come about with this series? What, what was your focus? What was your pathway? And then you made some changes along the way after I believe it was 10 years. And, and so if I'm uh, hoping I'm getting that right, but what is the fixing you series based on? Yeah. So when I, after I came out of my depression and realized that all medical professionals were struggling with chronic pain. The one truth that I felt was going on with, with pain was that, for instance, I had, I had back pain going into physical therapy school. I was the guy who always raised his hand every, every time there was a unit on back pain, use me, use me. I want to solve my back. No one ever solved my back pain. And so, but inherently, I believe that something I was doing was causing my pain. I was the source of my pain. And so... Uh, you know, I take a lot of continuing education courses and none of them address pain from that standpoint, that it's the patient's responsibility to solve it. And something they're doing is causing it. It's all about identifying a rotated vertebrae and manipulating that, or, you know, you know, doing something like that. So, uh, so I went back and I thought, okay, what physical therapist do I know of who understands pain from a movement standpoint, from a causation standpoint about how we're using our bodies? And Dr. Shirley Sarman was the, was the uh, she's a faculty member at Washington University in St. Louis, has been a physical therapist for like 60 years, uh, wrote a couple of textbooks. So I ended up taking all of her seminars and uh, I learned a lot and it, it, my results exploded because of that. It was just amazing. It was mostly about movement impairments that cause pain. And so during the course of that course, I, may, I became friends with a physical therapist who was also taking her courses, and we both happened to finish at the same time. And so I said, hey, how's this working for you? And he, he says, eh. I said, what are you talking about? My patients are getting so much better faster now. And he's just like, yeah, but I'm a manual therapist, so maybe I'll just use this as a home program or something. And that's when I, and a manual therapist, folks listening, is someone who does you know joint manipulations or soft tissue work to solve problems, all right? And so that's when I realized that our belief systems as medical practitioners are filtering out potential information that could be helping our patients. This guy felt that he should solve all pain using his hands to manipulate something in the body. And I was learning that it was actually quite the opposite. And so that's when I realized and Dr. Sarman is a medical researcher. She'll never write a book for lay people. <laughs> it's, she just can't do it because she's too brainy, right? Gotcha. So I thought, oh my gosh, I've got to take this information, especially with the results I'm getting, and write this uh, a book. And so I ended up writing a series of books, the Fixing You series, because it's really about people, you fixing you rather than me fixing you. And that's the whole premise of that series. And that was written... I finished my last one. I revised my back pain book back in 2015. So that was the last time I, I wrote those. And then I've got a, another book called Solving the Pain Puzzle, which is uh, cases of, from 25 years as a physical therapist. And this is how I'm using this. These are case studies that show how I'm using the systems approach to solve difficult pain in my clinic and teach people, hopefully, a different way of going about solving their pain. These are, so what you're saying is people take what you're teaching them, what they can find in these, I believe there's six books when it comes to the Fixing You series, yes. correct? Mm -hmm. And and taking those books, just looking at that one series right now, I know Solving the sure. Pain Puzzle is another, another book that you have as you just introduced, but they can actually do this at home. It's like homework. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, I designed them as self-help books. So, I mean- Tens of thousands of people have solved their pain using those books. So, yeah, they've been, I sell thousands of those every year. 
So the terminology, uh, when we talk about layman's terms, uh, we were just talking about um, the fact that, I'm sorry, what was the name of the doctor that you just, you just- uh, Dr. Saruman, Shirley Saruman. Dr. Saruman. So she couldn't do this, but if you're looking at your books, if you're somebody who doesn't really understand uh, you know, certain terminology when it comes to physical therapy, they can read your books and understand completely exactly what oh, yeah. it is. That yeah, I have okay. lots of great illustrations in there because that's the thing. People need to understand. You need to understand what the problem is before you can fix it, right? And so most people need to see it. What is he talking about? And that's, so I've got lots of illustrations in there. And then I've got videos of all the exercises that are in the book on a website that you can access for free just by, I have a code in the book and you can just go to that website and watch all the exercise videos of the exercises I have in the book. Yeah. And, and folks, just so you know, as we always do, um, we have a, a series of links uh, that, that uh, Rick has given us uh, that we will be including in the description of this podcast so that when you want to look up the Fixing You series, all you have to do is click on that link, if I'm not mistaken, or you can go to rickolderman.com, which that link will also be in the description of this podcast to find uh, both Solving the Pain Puzzle and the Fixing You series. Uh, Rick, when they click on that, it, where where else can they find the, the solve? If they don't click on these links, Amazon, I'm assuming, would be, I don't want to assume, but can they find these books on Amazon? Oh, well, those links go to Amazon. There so, you have it. Yeah. 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 So that was simple enough. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. So folks, uh, I, I, I know so many people. What is amazing is... I can I can't begin to explain. I'm sure you've heard this uh, a million times in the 25 years uh, that you've been actually practicing physical therapy. I don't know how many people I know in my life, but if it was a hundred, I wouldn't be shocked that have some type of chronic pain that they just simply cannot figure out how to take care of. And they've gone to. Uh, I know one young lady that I worked with. Um, she retired uh, from General Motors. And her back pain is extensive. She's gone through several minor surgeries, nothing major. Um, she's even thinking about doing um, a, a study, a research study uh, in Texas uh, that her doctor is referring her to that maybe she wants to go to Texas and try this out. And I, I personally, I, and this is me, I'm not a professional physical therapist. I'm not a doctor and I didn't play one on TV. But I, I always get weary of this type of situation. Soon as someone tells me they're going to have surgery or they're going to be part of a research study, um, I get nervous. I, 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 more times than not, and tell me your, your thoughts on this, people that go under the knife, it goes south after that. It doesn't seem like that normally is going to cure the problem in what I've seen over a long period of time now. Yeah, let me address that. And I mean that it, there's a lot I want to talk about with that with that comment that you made. So if if everyone stands up one more time, all right, I want to just take you through a test. You're going to put your hands on your back, and I want your fingers to be along the muscles on either side of your spine, right? They're called the paraspinal muscles. And so please stand up and do this test. All right, so you're standing up, and all I want you to do is just kind of walk in place. And what you'll notice is that when you're walking in place, when you lift one leg, one side of your back muscles engages, and the other gets quiet. And when you lift the other leg, the other side of the back muscles engages, and the, and the other one gets quiet. What this is showing you is that your legs have a significant impact on what is happening in your back. And so... When I hear of people going to have surgery, sometimes surgery is necessary, but often it is not. And the reason is, is because they've been approached from this component standpoint. Their practitioners have only been looking at their back, maybe their pelvis in terms of the source of their pain. But you can even lift your foot off the ground without changing the tension in your back muscles and creating an asymmetrical force working through that spine. So if your practitioners have not addressed your whole lower body system as the potential source of your back pain, then the surgery, I believe, is premature. Now, 
we could solve all of those things and you still need surgery, but then your surgical outcome becomes much greater because you've solved all of the lever arms and issues that are feeding the stresses to that lumbar spine in the first place. If you go into surgery and you haven't removed all of the biomechanical stressors to your back, well, it's no wonder that your surgery is going to fail. But you have a greater chance of succeeding if you've already solved the systems of uh, issues that are feeding the stressors to your back. Does that make sense? It does make sense. It makes complete sense. Um, so if you're not looking at every avenue when it comes to fighting all the stressors and making sure that those that those have been focused on and every type of physical therapy that you can have uh, for those stressors is utilized, if it's still not solving the problem, that's when surgery may be the option. But yeah, the, if you have- The problem is the consumer doesn't understand what they're getting in terms of their physical therapy. So it's easy to break it. That's why I, I've come up with these terms, component approaches versus systems approaches. If your practitioners have been doing things to your spine and can't get you better, that is component approach. That is not a systems approach. Unlocking the knees to take stress off your lumbar curve, which was what we just talked about, that's more of a systems approach. So if you've had practitioners who are changing your gait pattern, changing how you're sitting, changing how you're lying down, changing how you get up from a chair, changing how you bend over in the garden, changing how you're working at the sink, if your practitioners have been doing all of those things and you still have pain, then you've had been lucky enough to have a systems approach practitioner. But there are many, there are many, like we haven't even gone into what the systems approach is, but basically I, I just want to give people hope that they are not broken because they haven't gotten better. It's really because you've been looked at from this component thinking standpoint which does great for acute issues, but not great for chronic pain issues. Let me ask you this. What you just said, when you talk about all these different functional movements, mm -hmm. should somebody be relaying to their physical therapist their lifestyle? I do a lot of gardening. I do a lot. My, my, my job basically is a sit-down job. Um, I have three younger children. I'm always carrying the one child on the right hip. I, and, and so that they can address the issues a lot more carefully, knowing what this person's everyday functional movements are so that they can zero in on what the actual problem is. In a perfect world, yes. But I just got a re an email today of a woman who did just that, who relayed that. But if the therapist doesn't understand things from a system standpoint, you're going to overlook that kind of information. Just like this therapist, when we graduated from his Dr. Sarvins, said, oh, maybe I'll use it for a home program. You know, not to solve pain, but just as an adjunct to what he believes he, he needs to solve pain. So it's a big deal. And that's, that's kind of my message that I'm trying to get out is that there's a whole new way of looking at the body and solving pain that most people have never been exposed to. And, you know, um, like for instance, we've talked about one pattern of back pain. All right. And we've learned that if your back is too arched, you have more pain. And if your back is flatter, you have less pain. All right. So, and we've also learned that, oh gosh, all I have to do is unlock my knees and that removes some of the stress from my arch. Well, what, what could be another potential stressor? Well, the thigh muscles attached to the front of the pelvic bone here. So if the thigh muscles are tight, they're going to pull the pelvic bone forward and increase your arch in your back too. All right. And if that tightness is asymmetrical, guess what? Now you've introduced a rotational torque into the whole pelvic structure and the back. So looking at these things makes a big difference. And that's only one pattern of pain. The extent, this is called an extension problem, meaning that if I extend my back more or arch it more, I have more pain. So you have an extension problem.
But the other problem that a major problem that I've identified that's usually at the root of most sciatic unilateral back pain or a side joint pain is that of a side bending problem. And a side bending problem is when a pelvis is too high on one is higher on one side and a rib cage is typically lower on the same side. And so this is often misdiagnosed as a leg length discrepancy. It is not a leg length discrepancy. I've probably seen maybe three or four leg length discrepancies, true leg length discrepancies in my career when I've had hundreds of people who have been sent to me who have been told by their practitioners that they have a leg length discrepancy because they have this pattern. But it is not a leg length discrepancy. It's a compensation pattern. So you can imagine that if your spine is like this, and an easy way to see if your spine is like this is just take off your shirt and have someone take a picture of your back. And you'll see that there is a bigger crease on one side of your back than there is on the other. That means that you have a side bending problem. And you can imagine that if you have this happening, then that's increased compression on this side of your spine. Well, that's where the nerve roots are exiting to comprise the sciatic nerve, as well as the sacral area. All right. So this whole side bending pattern is occurring in 80 to 90% of the cases because of some older problem in the same leg that you think is resolved because it doesn't hurt anymore. But it doesn't hurt anymore because your brain has figured out how to compensate for that problem. How has it done that? By gr gradually lifting up this side of your pelvis to get off of the problem. Oh, you want me to get from A to B? Your brain figures out a way for you to get from A to B. It doesn't figure, it, and it doesn't care how you get from A to B. Your focus is to get from A to B. So I'm just going to do this so you can get from A to B and not hurt. Right. Say brain causes compensation. Of course. It's the yeah. master controller of the whole body, right? So this happens over time. And so 10 years later, five years later, you start to develop sciatic pain or SI joint pain or unilateral back pain or unilateral hip pain. You're just like, well, I've never had an injury over here. What's going on? And then you notice you have disc bulges and our facet joint arthropathy and all sorts of things that have started to break down because of this pattern because of this compensation pattern that you've had for an old ankle break or plantar fasciitis or, you know, a knee, knee issue or whatever. So in 89, 80 to 90% of the cases I found, it's due to a compensation for some problem in the same leg. And in 10 to 20% of the cases, it's due to a compensation problem for a problem in the other leg that your body's trying to get off of by overloading this leg. And now your brain's saying, oh man, I just can't do this anymore. You know, you're asking me to do, you're asking me to carry 10% more on this load for eight hours a day, you know, seven days a week and blah, blah, blah. And so I'm just going to do this to get off of that now. So a lot of people don't realize it's due to an old thing, maybe in their opposite ankle, right? So these are the types of things. This is the systems thinking approach and almost very few practitioners have ever uh, been trained like. It's, it's very interesting. Um, what would you say the success rate of your thinking, uh, where, where are you at now in, that, in terms of success rate? Physical therapists, you, do you actually teach them? Do you actually have a course that physical therapists take? Yeah. yeah. And how, what's the success rate right now as far as people coming to you and saying, I really enjoy your course. This is definitely the thought process I would like to start making or, or the course I'd like to start taking in the, in the pathway for my career. As, as a practitioner, you're saying, or as yes. a customer? No, no, no. As a practitioner. As a practitioner. Okay. Yes. So, uh, I trained all of, so I owned a physical, my own orthopedic clinic for about 10 years here in Denver. And I wouldn't let any physical therapist work in my clinic who wasn't trained by me in this approach. And so their success rates, rates were, I mean, am I allowed, if I'm not allowed to say hundred percent, I'll say 99%. You, we could solve just about anything that walked through our door. And if, and if we couldn't solve it, it meant that they absolutely needed that surgery, which you brought up. Well, we just can't get around this disc herniation, right? We got, you know, we can get around some, but we can't get around yours. We fixed everything. It's still hurting. So then they have the surgery and lo and behold, it's a very successful surgery. But for almost, you know, if they didn't need surgery, I mean, we were the clinic that many doctors would send as their last hope 
for their patients. And we would solve just about everyone who came through. So very okay. successful. Yeah. Um, from a patient standpoint, uh, success rate, if you're not allowed to say a hundred percent, as close as you can get to a hundred, you know, it, it, so there, there's an interaction. So there's having the knowledge and showing people what to do. And then there's having them do it. And the vast majority of people, I would say 80 to 90% of those people, once they understand, you mean, I just have to start unlocking my knees. My back's going to feel 50% better. You better believe they're going to start unlocking their knees. So the compliance rate is very high. The compliance rate is high because we show them that this will solve their pain immediately, not in three weeks, not in three months, but right now in three minutes. And so that's why we have such a high success rate is because we have a high compliance rate because we do this test retest strategy in our clinic. And I expect pain to be eliminated immediately if I am doing the right thing. And it is. And so then the patient gets it, right? Right. So there are some patients though who don't get it. And so they're less compliant. And so those are the people, even though we know exactly what they need, they're not doing it for whatever reason. But even that is so much, I mean, that is so much fewer patients than what most clinics run into because, uh, you know, it, it just doesn't make sense for someone not to follow the, that recommendation, you know? So what a lot of clinics do is they'll throw a bunch of exercises at people and hope that something sticks and, and fixes that pain. We're very precise and surgical with our, with our recommendations because we understand the patterns and how to break those patterns of issues like that side bending pattern or that extension problem pattern. Yeah, folks, if you are listening to this show today, and, and Rick has already said this earlier, I would strongly urge you to then watch it in video for sure, because when it comes to being methodical, he literally just went through that entire process with the skeleton that he has uh, there um, at his, I believe that would be your uh, place of where you, is that a place where you do physical therapy? Uh, it's my home studio. It's your home studio. And so he has a skeleton there and he just went through that entire process. Uh, when you talk about methodically and surgically, he broke it all down for you. So if you watch it in a video, you get a better understanding of what it is he does uh, and obviously does well, uh, I would have to say. So I, I hate to say one more question for today because I always say one more question and that could, that could span off into other questions or sure. the conversation can go on for a little bit longer. So it's not like we're on a timer, but right. I've been, uh, I'm with the International Sports Sciences Association. Uh, I have, I believe five five certifications. I'm working on my sixth one with them right now. And one of them is corrective exercise. And a rule of thumb that I learned in my corrective exercise educational um, journey with uh, ISSA was that proximal stability equals creates distal mobility. How true is that when it comes to proximal stability equaling or creating distal mobility? Well, I think there... It I've heard that term before, and I believe that's more referring to uh, a performance model. So in order to mobilize, say, a hand and throwing a ball, you have to have proximal stability at the shoulder joint, right? So to me, this is speaking to a performance standpoint rather than a pain standpoint. Because... Okay. And the, the way it works in the body is that uh, a problem in the foot, w w which is distal, can certainly play out up in the spine. And a problem in the spine can certainly play out in the foot. So that doesn't really apply to a pain solution strategy. But performance, it does. Yeah. Does everything start at the hips? When you're looking at pain... Do you start more at the hips and the lower back? Um, if you just, you actually just said it, somebody, somebody has lower, uh, lower back pain. Can it, can it be the feet? Uh, obviously as you, you know, you methodically work your way and surgically work your way through the process. A lot of people will go to that pain site and say, this is where my problem is. And you talked about this right in the beginning of the show, 
but the actual the, the pain site is there, but the actual problem may be the foot or correct. Yeah. Okay. So is, for anyone who came into our clinic with back or lower body issues, we have one, I broke the body down into two units. One is the lower body system. So we would look at their rib cage on down to their foot. And anyone who came in with any kind of upper body complaint, we would look at their pelvis on up to their head. Can that be where you, so many people with chronic headaches? Yes. Not always necessarily, and not always necessarily their neck is what's causing the chronic headaches. It can actually be the hips, the lower back. I love, I love that you brought that up. So let me make that connection. All okay. right. All right. So, uh, again, if you have chronic headaches or neck pain, most likely your practitioners have been looking at your neck and your head as the source of the problem. Suboccipital muscles, facet joint, whatever. Even if you have radicular pain down into your arm, because all the nerves that feed that arm come from the neck bone, right? So it must be a problem with the neck. No. That's where the that's where the pain is. That's not where the problem is. Just like we talked before. So, if you look at a if if folks at home Google scapular muscles, they'll see that uh, on the on the body there are many muscles that attach from the shoulder blade or the scapula into the neck bones and the base of the head, skull. And so, when the scapula isn't functioning well. And there are specific rules about how the scapula should be functioning. And I'm sorry, folks at home, I, when I say scapula, I mean shoulder blade. This is the center of function for the whole upper body system. If something is wrong here, it's going to play out in the shoulder, elbow, wrist, neck, head, whatever. And, it, and architecturally, if you look at the body, we only have two bones in the body that look like this, broad, flat bones. One is the shoulder blade. And the other is the pelvic bone. Well, to your question before, Tony, the pelvis is the center of function for the lower body system and back system, just like the shoulder blade is the center of function for the upper body system. All right. So the most common problem is that the shoulder blade is resting too low. And therefore, there's a little muscle that attaches from the corner of the shoulder blade into the neck bone. It's called the levator scapula, inserts into C1 through 4 sometimes five, depending on the person. And so is levator means elevate, scapula, scapula. So its job is to lift the scapula. Well, if you think about how heavy that arm system is, including the shoulder blade, that's about 20 pounds. And if the other muscles that are supposed to be controlling that scapula are not working well, it's left up to the little pinky guy, the levator scapula to do the job. And that's when we start to get compression, side bending, rotation of the cervical spine, radicular symptoms down the arm, and headaches, chronic headaches, migraines, whatever. All right? So it's the scapula. Well, the scapula rests on the rib cage. And if you were paying attention, I just described for that side bending problem where the rib cage is lower and the pelvis is higher. So if the rib cage is lower, now you've set the scapula up to fail. And then the scapula now is creating neck pain and headaches. So that's the link between the lower body system and the upper body system. I, I think you just diagnosed uh, probably about 20 or 25 of our listeners today. They're probably listening to this and saying, wow, I did not even think about that when it comes to my chronic, um, my chronic headaches that I have on a regular basis. That I, Folks, we're getting literally, we're we're literally getting a session here with with Rick Olderman. Um, for those of you who suffer from these particular problems, lower back pain, neck pain, um, chronic headaches, shoulder pain, um, and several other different uh, concepts that he's uh, talked about today, um, for sure. Let let me ask you this: when it comes to the fixing you series, or when it comes to the solving the pain puzzle. Is there anything else you want to get out there to our listeners and viewers today uh, before we we move forward here today with uh, with the show or end the show, I should say? today? Yeah. So the Fixing Your Books were written about 10 or so years ago. Then I owned my clinic and I got to see a very large volume of patients coming through 
and not only my patients, but also my practitioner's patients, because I would counsel them and mentor them on what to do with their difficult patients too. And so uh, what I realized when I wrote the books, I thought that all of these problems were happening uh, on their own. But in my clinic, I realized that all of these problems are happening in patterns of problems. And so once I realized that, oh my gosh, so a someone with back pain or sciatic pain is going to have a certain pattern of dysfunction going on. So I don't have to, I mean, I mean, I'll, I'll do the testing, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to be right. And I, you know, I know exactly what's going on with, with this patient, right? Because I understand the patterns of issues that are going on in this person. And so once I understood that this all was happening in patterns, that's when I created my, da- my digital home programs more recently, which are updated to reflect my understanding of these patterns of dysfunction that people are going. Because what I've also realized, and we didn't get into, is that there is a neurological basis of tension going on that's locking people's bodies into patterns of dysfunction. So it's not just biomechanics, tighter, weak muscles. It's also, we touched on it a little bit, the brain is generating tension in your system that is locking your body into the dysfunctional patterns that's causing chronic pain in many people, especially with chronic pain. The brain is generating that tension. It could be because of pain. It could be because of emotional, psychological trauma. It could be because of uh, dietary issues like uh, allergens, molds, or um, you know, uh, aller- allergic responses in your body. All of these play out in our body to generate tension in our system. And that tension is generated in patterns. The patterns have been set up by how you're using your body or have used it historically. And what that tension does is then deepen the pattern that you've already created through your work habits, injury history, sports, exercise history, and so forth. I The reason why I smiled so big when you said what you said is because the next question was going to be, can emotional stress play a role in this process? Absolutely. And you literally just said it um, right Absolutely. after. Yeah. So, and, and I think, I, I mean, I don't know if I have, if I understand this pathway completely, but I have a theory about exactly what that pathway is, how it works in the body. And then I've learned a technique, this uh, Hannah somatics to unravel that tension pathway. And that has been the jelly in my peanut butter and jelly treatment sandwich is Hannah somatics. And that's, what's also included in my digital home programs that wasn't in my books too. Okay. And we do have the link to those digital home programs as well. Yeah. Uh, if they, if, if people just go to rickolderman.com, they'll find my digital home programs there. Okay. So folks, uh, again, in the description of this podcast, we're going to have all these links and, uh, anything you don't see, uh, make sure you click on the link, uh, which will simply be rickolderman.com where everything will be listed. If you enjoyed this show today, or if you got anything out of it, when it comes to having a better understanding, even a little bit, even a little bit more of a better understanding when it comes to understanding the human body, how it works and what we should actually be looking for when it comes to both chronic and acute pain. Uh, I think physical therapist Rick Olderman did a fantastic job of explaining in detail. I almost felt like I was in a in a, an hour and a half um, uh, class uh, in college there um, with Professor Rick Olderman. Um, folks, go click on these links, take a look at it, and this may be something that you've been looking for for a long time now when it comes to chronic pain. So by all means, please click on the links, check it out and uh, better yourself. Be the best you out there, like we always say here on Two Brothers, One Mike. Joe, uh, coming back from the abyss, are you? There you are. There you are. Yeah. So uh, what uh, What do you think? What, what are you, do you have any? Oh, I had so many questions. I had so many questions, but but he he was answering them before I could ever, even get to the chance to, to, to write them down. I have uh, spondylosis, uh, L5S1. And being former law enforcement, right where you have that duty belt, that 15, 18 pound duty belt, uh, it ended up resulting in a, in a disability from, from where I was working. 
Uh, but I have hurt uh, disc herniation. I have some um, nerve imp- imp- impingement, impingement, infringement. Mm-hmm. Which one is impingement? It? Impingement. Thank you. So obviously, I'm not. That's your job. <laughs> that's that's your job. As I point to you, uh, yeah, I don't I don't know any of the terminology, and that's just it too. Such a great job at explaining things to people to really understand. And, and I know it's been said, and, and so I'm going to say it again. Make sure, folks, that you get somewhere where we have video because it really did help just to see the areas of the of the little skeleton that he was showing us. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't, I, I, Tony has said a long time ago, you never want to be the smartest guy in the room. That's never a problem for me. Not that I'm stupid, but I just don't profess to be the smartest guy in the room ever. Uh, and, and I really walked away with, uh, from this episode, I think with a lot more knowledge. So can I appreciate Can I comment on what you just said? Uh, just a yeah. second ago, you've got spondylolysis or spondylolisthesis? Listhesis. Listhesis. Okay. Uh, you've got a d- disc herniation, you said. Uh, yeah, it's above and below the, I believe it was L5. L5 yeah. Right. Most common area. Do you have? Facet joint arthropathy. Do you know whether you have that? Do you have any stenotic changes? Don't know if I had it. Oh, stenotic change. You talking about as far as the 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 disc moving? No, the uh, the spinal column. The bone grows to encroach on the spinal column with spinal. No, 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 nothing like that. No, like that. So this is the biggest misunderstanding that I think a lot of people have is that those are there are many people who have those very things who have no pain at all. That it, those are naturally occurring phenomena in our bodies, especially as we grow older. We have a larger percentage of those kinds of things happening in our bodies that don't ha- elicit pain at all. So I would challenge you to think of those things as symptoms of a dis- movement dysfunction that is causing those things to happen as well as your pain. So you have your pain. These things are also contributing to your pain. But something else has caused this breakdown in your back because you're a pretty healthy guy, right? Strong. So why would these? Why would all of this stuff get broken down if there wasn't something causing that breakdown to occur chronically? Sure. And that's what this whole show has been talking about: are those chronic, systemic issues that are causing those anomalies in your spine that then contribute to your pain as well. Yeah, and that makes enough sense too because there are a lot of the things that you were talking about. I have good days, and then I have really bad days. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there's there's some days I'm popping ibuprofen like like they're candy, and then there's other, you know, there's uh, fortunately the good still outweigh the bad. Um, you know, but but I've noticed that through different stretching techniques. You were saying about the hips, and I think that that was huge. Uh, I know what, since I've started to stretch my hip flexors and. Uh, uh, you know, getting into the quads and the hamstrings and stretching everything appropriately, making sure both sides are are strong. You know, dealing with that whole issue where you don't want one one side of the muscle to be stronger than the other side to create that imbalance. Um, you know, I've made it a point to kind of work on these certain areas, and it's alleviated a lot of the issue. But if there's something additional, I just I don't. One of the unfortunate things what you're talking about isn't something that's very popular amongst people you know a, a lot of a lot of places locally so i wouldn't even know where to begin to find someone that might uh, you don't need someone you don't need someone that's why i've created my digital home programs my books all of that stuff is because of that very question that very statement that you just made mm-hmm. is that there are the practitioners are not trained in systems thinking so where can you find well now you don't need to worry about finding a practitioner as training one because that's why I've created all this stuff. So you don't have to. Yeah, very good. Well, there you have it, right? How many of it? Well, now, now I got to do it. I got to do it just to be, you know, your, now I'm going to have to review this whole thing. We'll have to see. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to be the first to tell you, I, yes, I have a certification in a corrective exercise and I know how to do, you know, certain things that help my back out tremendously before work. I always do child's pose. And my back feels so much better after doing child's pose. Uh, I do cat and cow. I do a lot of different mobility movements for my ankles, for my hips. Um, every that morning. Cat feels better than cow. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Did you have very much so. Problem. Yeah. 
So I, if, See, if I, I if I if I do the either of those cat or cow, I'm done. I can't get off the floor. I, I yeah. can't I can't do them. <laughs> Forget it. Now, but I could do things like I do the child's pose. Uh, uh, you know, whenever I work out, I also do pigeon, which is really big for the hip flexors, glutes. You know, I'm getting all all those areas. So you know, and again, that helps loosen up the areas around the pelvis because I've noticed I feel tension in my pelvis as well, uh, in my hips a lot if I'm not stretching. So there's a lot of foam rolling involved and, and things like that. Um, so no doubt, you know, like what you're saying, I no reason to doubt that there's some other issue going on. I just really would like to know what it is because obviously, uh, you know, the bad days can get pretty bad. Can I, can I make one more comment? Absolutely. Uh, people with pain are going to come to you guys before they come to me. <laughs> I'm usually the last one down the road. They'll come to their personal trainer, yoga instructor, Pilates instructor, and so forth. So I've created a practitioner course for physical therapists, but it's by no means exclusive to physical therapists because I believe everyone from coaches to surgeons should understand how the body works as a system in order to solve pain. So, you know, if you're inclined, you know, my practitioner course will teach you how to help everyone else. And then you're going to have the line out the door of people who are looking to you for answers because then you're going to have them. So it's, it's, this isn't just the purview of physical therapists, I believe, because let's face it, people with pain are looking to anyone who will solve their pain. Sure. Sure. Well, I've made it very easy to learn. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I could tell you this already. I was already, folks out there, uh, if you're following what Coach Tony does, well, then you're going to have to follow me here because I've already, uh, in my mind, I've already clicked on those links before clicking on them uh, to check out what it is I want to see because I do have people come to me a lot and ask me about certain things that are so far out of my expertise. And I try to explain to them that this is not my background. Um, but like you said, they're desperate to find answers and that they're not finding. So uh, I can tell you this, Rick, I'm aboard. Um, I'm definitely going to click on these links and, and check out, folks, the Fixing You series six books as well as solving so i gotta get this right solving the pain puzzle solving the pain puzzle uh the video series everything either go to rickolderman.com which that link as as well as several other links we're going to have in the description of this podcast and uh i gotta tell you mr rick olderman orthopedic physical therapist from denver colorado we thank you tremendously and we hope uh, that you will definitely be back on the show in the very near future. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Joe, I guess you're taking us out of here. All right. Well, until next week, I would remind all of you, be sure to give us a rating or review on your favorite podcast service. Also, if you have any thoughts, questions, comments, or opinions, you can leave us a message via the link in this episode's description. And finally, remember to join us every Wednesday morning, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for new episodes. Now, on behalf of Coach Tony, myself, and, wow, <laughs> Joe, Rick Olderman. I keep wanting to say Nick Offerman, the the, the actor. Yeah, I <laughs> Rick Olderman. And Mr. Nick Olderman. Thanks for listening. All right, everybody out there, be the best to you. And uh, again, Rick, thank you very much for being on the show. We're looking forward to the next interview with so much more information. Click on those links, everybody. Joe, I'm out of here. Yeah, see, that's what happens when you're not on the show the entire time. You start spacing. Well, you can edit now. I could. I'm, I don't know that I could. I, I, I'm like, I know the name, and it's in my head now. And I, I,